0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: I want to give a quick shout out to our partner, Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day, and I started to give them a try because I realized that in order to be the real champion of my life... I have to take care of my body. It's an absolute non-negotiable. So I was looking for a comprehensive supplement that I could take daily as a way to increase my overall health and good habits. Because I've realized that one small thing every day is the quickest way that I can create lasting change in my life. And I think about it like this, my choices and my actions matter. So I think of taking AG1 as a choice that is a vote for the person that I want to become someone who's balanced, vibrant, healthy, and full of energy. And that's why I love AG1. It tastes so great, and it gives me everything that I need to feel my best. So if all-in-one comprehensive solution is what you need for your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. So go over to athleticgreens.com slash coachable. That's athleticgreens.com slash coachable today. Welcome to the Coachable Podcast. Around here, we believe that life is the ultimate training ground for finding out what you are truly made of. I'm your host, Tori Gordon, high-performance coach and breathwork facilitator. And each week I share intimate conversations and inspirational stories from some of the world's most successful people. It's time to stop standing on the sidelines of your life and get your head and your heart back in the game. So take a seat, grab a pen, because you're going to want to take notes as I pull back the curtain on the tools, resources, and inspiration that you need to unlock your inner champion. What's up, Coachable family? Welcome back to the Coachable podcast. I'm so glad you are here. Today is going to be absolutely amazing because we actually have two guests joining me from Miami. And I am so grateful to our good friend, Jane Gottlieb, who was recently on the show for introducing us to the co-founders and co-CEOs of MindBodyGreen. We've got Colleen and Jason up in the house. It's going to be such a good conversation because you guys, if you have ever struggled with any of the following, whether that be struggling to get a good night's sleep, chronic stress, not being able to get the movement practices in that you want, struggling with your purpose, then this conversation truly is going to be for you. Just to give you a little bit of background on both Colleen and Jason, Jason is the host of a popular Mind Body Grain podcast, the best selling author of Wealth How to Build, How I Learn to Build a Life, Not a Resume. I love that title. He's been featured in all major publica- publications and has a BA in history from Columbia University. His wife is just as brilliant, getting her degree from Stanford. She spent 10 years working in Fortune 500 companies, including Gap, Walmart, and Amazon. And now, as I mentioned, they're the co CEOs of Mind Body Green, which is a leading independent media brand dedicated to well being with 15 million unique monthly visitors. These guys are going to help us understand the difference between wellness and well-being and what you can do to start your journey to well-being and finding joy in life. So without further ado, welcome Colleen Jason. Thanks so much for being here.
2: Thanks so much for having us. Such a warm and kind intro. It's yes. an honor.
3: Mm. to be here. Thank you.
1: Well, I, again, I mentioned that Jen Gottlieb, who was recently on the show, made the gracious introduction to you guys. And as soon as I found out that you were connected to Mind Body Green, I knew we were going to have so much to talk about because I've been following you guys since I started this podcast, probably even before that. And it's been such a resource for me personally in my own journey to health and wellness and happiness. And it's kind of difficult to weed through all the noise, especially when it comes to, to your health. Let's just start by giving us a little bit of background on why you started Mind Body Green to begin with.
2: Sure, so th- what's been interesting about the journey and it has been a journey over 14 years now since we founded Mind Body Green, is the whys have changed. And the first why was my struggle with my lower back, specifically uh, sciatica. I had excruciating sciatica in my right leg, the, the classic L4, L5, S1. Mm-hmm. And so my right leg felt like a lightning rod. I I couldn't walk. It was excruciating. And do we lose you?
1: Nope. I'm here.
2: Okay. So you, sorry, because the camera
1: left you. Uh, (laughs) I'll
2: continue. Uh, And so I excruciating pain in my right leg. It felt like a lightning rod. I could not walk. And it, it was a tough time. I was running a startup that wasn't doing so well. That startup had me flying over 100,000 miles domestic. I am six foot seven. <laughs> me in a coach seat is not good for me or the person in front of me. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the stress of the startup, the flying and old basketball injury from college led to the, the disc problem. And I was just really suffering in every sense of the world, you know, spiritually, emotionally and physically. Mm-hmm. And went to a doctor and he said, you, you need back surgery. And nothing against back surgery or surgery or, or more generally surgery, but generally see it as last resort. So I saw a second opinion. That doctor said the same thing. He said, you need back surgery. And it was almost like an afterthought. He said, you know what, maybe some yoga or therapy could help. And I said, you know, okay, Colleen and I were dating at the time, <laughs> Colleen at a yoga practice. I said, I'll, I'll try yoga. So started with some really light yoga, five to 10 minutes in the morning and evening. And I started to feel better. And over the course of six months, I completely healed and it, yoga played a significant role along with, you know, nutrition. I changed my diet. I originally was a steak and martinis guy, uh, consumed so much. My face is on the wall of the Palm Steakhouse in Midtown Manhattan next to Joe Namath and Adam Sandler. <laughs> nice. Um, uh, it kind of, kind of egregious, but it, it is, you know, that, that's what I thought health was. Mm-hmm. And, and again, through the process and, and, and in terms of nutrition today, it's, it's definitely evolved, uh, still eat meat, but but try to make sure it's grass fed. And so on with the whole, it's a complicated topic. I'll <laughs> leave it at that. Um, And so it was through that process, you know, we kind of had this moment where we looked around and it, it was so clear. Now This is 2009. The word wellness was equated with kind of like the spa or anything holistic it was like very new agey and mm-hmm. crazy and kind of a little bit out there, you know, and it was just clear that, that wellness and we've, We'll talk about the transition of well-being. Uh, wellness was was about mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, and environmental well-being, and all these things were interconnected. Hence, my buddy Green, one word, and our goal back then was: let's just not preach the choir of people live in the west side of LA or Brooklyn or Boulder. We all know the type. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> let's build a bigger church, and this is the future. And that was the the vision. The original big vision for my buddy green and it started out of our apartment and, and since then you know our, our why's have changed my why has shifted to longevity i'm 48 now we have two little girls ages six and almost four men in my family have a terrible track record here my father died of heart disease at 47 my paternal grandfather died of heart disease at 49 and my other grandfather cancer at 44. So it's yeah. not good um uh, but i do believe in epigenetics i do believe we we that our genes are not our destiny we have the power to turn on and off genes through lifestyle modification and that's been you know the why in the last few years and led to the the book because science has advanced so much here and there's so much we can do yet it feels so inaccessible and that's been a pain point and colleen's had a major why events as well
3: yeah what's happened for you Yeah. yeah i had one of those breakdown moments that led to huge life transformation so i was doing the corporate route as you as you mentioned and in my early 30s so over a decade ago and you know struggling to find purpose um working out hard, doing the things that that felt, quote unquote, healthy. And one Saturday morning in May, I came from my morning routine on Saturdays of going to Terra Styles, 11 a.m. strong yoga class. It was my Saturday ritual. Mm -hmm. It's one of the first hot, nice May days. And I left class and I I felt a little bit out of breath. And so I called Jason. I was like, hey, can you meet me in the West Village? This This just doesn't feel right. We walked around and I was like, you know, I think I need to go home. So we took the subway home and we got off at the A train, which is one of the steepest uh, step stations in Brooklyn. And I was walking up the stairs and collapsed Mm. and eventually got up, um, walked out of the station and, and called my general practitioner and was like, something really weird just happened. But I did the worst possible thing. I then proceeded to gaslight myself and my own symptoms, which I knew were an aberration. But I didn't want to go to the ER, so I just continued to gaslight myself and ignore these symptoms. Whole weekend was a complete aberration. I napped, I was lethargic, not how I typically spend a weekend. On Monday morning, before I went to my my job at Amazon, Jason said, the only way I'm letting you go to work is if you stop by the doctor on the way. Stop by the doctor, within a couple minutes, He's like, you're having a pulmonary embolism. And I was so confused and so bewildered that he gave me the sign that said, I'm having a pulmonary embolism. I wasn't quite sure if he was worried I wouldn't actually make it to the NYU ER or if I got there, he was concerned I wouldn't be able to immediately articulate what was the likely scenario of what was happening in my body. And I had showers of clots in my lungs and was really lucky to to be alive and avoid something super catastrophic. And that was one of these life inflection points that was this massive cosmic kick in the butt from the universe of, okay, you didn't listen to the whispers that I was trying to tell you that something is off track here, that you're not really living in alignment. So I'm just gonna give you a really big kick. And that started a very long healing journey. And I saw a ton of Western doctors. I saw a ton of healers. And what's interesting is I, I don't have significant predispositions to clotting, but I had been on birth control pills for 10 years. And so the likely culprit of my clot was a birth control pill. And I had read about the risks, but I think I, I had, you know, kind of labeled them as things that happened to people who were smokers or overweight and, oh, I didn't fit this risk criteria. I wrote an article about this experience on MindBody Green in the early days and it went completely viral. And women came out of the woodworks who had sisters, who had mothers, who had friends, who had had this same experience, many of them ending in very tragic ways. Um, and you know, through this experience, I, I learned I really need to be a lot more mindful of what I'm putting into my body, um, you know, especially when pharmaceuticals are, are involved. And I really do need to take control and, and be the CEO of it and started a, a six month healing process, if not longer, Um, where I was really struggling with the most fundamental element of life, which is breath. Uh, It was the first time in my life I had given breath any thought Um, and I struggled to sit on a subway train and I remember fighting senior citizens almost for seats on the subway so that I could, so that I could, could breathe on the way home and humans breathe 17,000 to 30,000 times a day. And that was kind of the start of this very long healing journey, reconnecting to my breath, trying Western, trying healing. And, And it was this wonderful game of Marco Polo where I was trying to just figure out what made me feel better in this instance. And, you know, the joy of well-being, the the book that Jason and I have co-authored is very much the roadmap I wish I had over a decade ago when I was starting this healing journey so that perhaps I could have been more efficient on it.
1: Sure. I mean, I know the importance of a roadmap like this because when I hear you guys tell your own personal stories of overcoming your health struggles, I think to my own experience with that, you know, my family and I have spent Multiple Christmases in the hospital due to, to multiple different cancer diagnoses in my family. My lost my sister at 23 to leukemia. My mother at 63 to ovarian cancer. There's heart uh, right. heart failure all throughout my family. So I know anyone listening can, whether it's they've experienced personally experienced it, they know someone who has died prematurely, and or is currently struggling with health. And there's nothing more frustrating or debilitating when your body isn't operating the way that you know it's designed to operate, right? And you're like, I just feel so defeated. And so I think what you are doing with Mind, Body, Green, but also with your book, The Joy of Wellbeing, which is a roadmap to ha- like health, wealth, and and joy, we need this. Because as you guys were saying, it's, it's hard to... S- sort of navigate and understand where do you even start and and so i want to start by sort of differentiating what you were talking about jason the difference in wellness and well-being what what is uh wellness in in your opinion and how does it differ from well-being
3: we have a very complicated relationship with the word wellness
1: and i think at you know a
3: very surface level you could describe a lot of the things on mind body green as as wellness and we have found so much personal familial and communal value in these principles that have helped change our life but then i think that what causes me pause is it feels like a cacophony of advice a cacophony of things and one of my friends, JJ Virgin, you know, had this great line that's you have to bake the cake before you can put on the frosting. Mm. And when I look at the wellness world, there's so much of an emphasis on the frosting, the gadgets, the tools, how it looks. And don't get me wrong, all of those things can be really fun and additive to my life. And I've got lots of fun wellness tools um, in my life too. But I think it takes... The dialogue and the focus away from these foundational time-tested principles, which is really where we all need to start our wellness journey when we are out of that equilibrium. And what I love about the word well-being is it really takes the conversation outside of the self it takes it to something bigger it takes us to this idea that we are all connected and that our own well-being is tied to that of our community and our planet and something bigger in the world than just ourselves
2: and just to add you know we we've come so far and it's been so exciting <laughs> mm-hmm. but it feels overwhelming and impossible and if you think about the major objections to people taking control of their health, it's, it's time and and resources, financial resources. And we've started to feel this and we're in this business. Like this is our passion and our love. And it really started to feel like all Mm -hmm. this advancement caters to the 1% of the 1%. And what does longevity look like for the rest of us? You know, the 99% of people who, have a demanding job. Who maybe have a partner, spouse, kids, daily chores, other commitments, and you know we we view wellness almost as like the destination or the the shiny happy thing or the frosting. Whereas well being is the journey. It's this process, and you know for us what what's been great about the science is so many we felt like the, these are the things that no one wants you to know about. Like so many of the takeaways in the science point to practices or modalities that take very little time or free or cost very little money. Mm -hmm. And that's powerful. And to Colleen's, Colleen mentioned, you know, it's important to be your CEO of your own, you know, of your health. And we, we think we can get people there. And we also think we can get people there in a way where they're joyful, Mm. because what's the point of being around until you're a hundred years old, if you're not having fun, you know, some people talk about, Health span. You know, it's like, I want to be around to be mobile and healthy and fit, but you know, what's the point if you're if you're not living a joyful life, if you don't have meaningful connection, if your family members don't talk to you, if you're sure. you know if you're miserable. And so those joy and health don't have to be mutually exclusive.
1: Hmm. I love that. I love that. And sometimes I think it's only when we have some sort of like breakdown. And maybe that is manifests as some kind of physical dis-ease or, or rupture that makes you like wake up and get your attention. I know for me, it was when my sister passed away at 23 that I was like, okay, I thought we were going to live forever. I did, this was just this huge awakening to my own mortality and, all, and, and recognizing that, like you said, I had to become responsible for my health. And my longevity, and if I wanted to live a a long, purposeful, fulfilled life, then I had to stop running and avoid and ignoring the things my body was telling me, and be willing to face it and ask it what it was trying to show me. What is it? What kind of it needs my attention? You know what I mean. And and it really made me think about the ways in which I can set myself up for success in life and living a long life. I know at the beginning of your book, you guys reference a friend of a friend of yours, Dan uh, Wettner, who wrote a book called Blue Zones. And I wonder if you could give people a little bit of background about uh, what Blue Zones are and how what what we can learn from them when we start to really look at what it means to live a long, healthy and happy life.
2: So I'm glad you referenced blue zones. We love Dan he's also another fellow Miami resident uh just <laughs> last week and you know the blue zones are essentially areas of the world where people live the longest lives, and they're also again they're not just living long lives they're they're flourishing and he went out as a journalist and and took a look like what are these people doing what what's so special and i there are a couple of things that really stood out to us. And, and the, the one where I'm going to spend the, the time, and I, because I think there are parallels to, to what's happening in America right now, I think often ignored. Um, these people have very strong connection, mm. and these people also have a strong sense of purpose. And I think those are two areas where we're just not doing well. And I think in the wellness world, we tend to ignore those two. I think it's very easy. I think most people like understand if they're not eating well, if they're not exercising, but if they're not emotionally well, I think that's a harder conversation to have with oneself. You have to think of, you know, who, who would you, you know, the the common question you'll hear is, you know, who would you call in the middle of the night, you know, in a crisis situation and, Maybe there's no one to call. Maybe you have to ask yourself some hard questions. And so, you know, with that said that, you know, bringing it back to connection, we'll start there. You know, th- there was a study in 2019 that Signet conducted that reported that half of Americans said they said they have uh, a meaningful day-to-day social interaction, 50% in 2019. Wow. Can you imagine how low that number is today <laughs> coming out of COVID? Like, right. It, it's insane. And then you have another study there, uh, at a BYU that, uh, that essentially said loneliness is equated with smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Mm. Wow! And then another study researchers found that people who are socially socially isolated were 45% more likely to get sick with a common cold. And then perhaps, you know, one of our favorite references, direct, direct to exercise and nutrition found that exercise lowers mortality risk by 20 to 40%. Good diet is about 30%. But being in a good romantic relationship, having friends, being connected to your community can lower your mortality risk by 45%. Mm. So here we have like meaningful IRL connection is something that isn't expensive, doesn't really take a lot of time. Although I think you do have to invest in friendships and we're, and we're ignoring it. And this, right. is, this is a Blue Zones principle and something we're passionate, passionate about, given the, the mental health crisis right now in the world.
1: I want to give a quick shout out to our partner, Athletic Greens. The Coachable Podcast is all about the game of life and learning how to play it. And what I've realized is that all great players have one thing in common. They take care of their bodies. And a huge part of that is optimizing whole body health. For those of you who don't know, AG1 is a foundational nutritional drink that I started taking earlier this year as a way to spice up my supplement routine, double down on my athletic progress, and optimize my overall health. It's become an integral part of my daily morning ritual because with each serving of AG1, I get 75 high-quality ingredients that give me daily nutrients and long-term gut health support. Since starting to take it in the mornings, I've realized how much more energy I have. I used to need two to three cups of coffee to get going, but AG1 gives me a great morning boost and it's a powerful microhabit that delivers macro benefits all day long. So if you want to level up your game and take care of your health like me, you definitely want to try out AG1 by Athletic Greens for yourself. If you do, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go over to athleticgreens.com coachable that's athletagreens.com slash coachable. Check them out today. You make such a good point there. It's, it's, we are more isolated than ever, yet more connected socially on social or social social media than ever. And I know Harvard, I think it was that came out with this study uh, not too long ago that talking about the impact of loneliness and the need for community. Um, I was just telling you guys before we started recording that I had a moment personally over the last week where I was just um, in so much gratitude because I said, I think for the first time in my life, I'm um, really experiencing everything I ever thought I wanted. And the biggest thing at the top of that list is community Um, and how much I feel personally um, that my life is... Drastically better because of the community and the people and the relationships uh, that I have, and yet I know that I am not uh, the the standard. <laughs> uh, it's very rare that that people um, have that type of connection in their life, and and I think one thing to to ask you guys, I would I would ask is like, how do people get started if if connection is such a big deal for our well being and our overall overall longevity. And if, if there's someone at home listening right now, feeling extremely lonely, where would you tell them to start, um, on their wellness journey of, of creating more connection, but also maybe looking at some of these other aspects like, uh, nutrition or sleep or, um, uh, purpose.
2: So for connection specifically, you know, this this is an area where I've got some work to do (laughs) in that, you know, in my 20s, I had such a great, big group of friends from college and high school, and we went out all the time, and it was such a big, great, large group. And then as I got older, you know, work, started to work more, and then married, then kids, and started to dwindle, and I lost touch with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can do better there. And I I actually don't think I'm uncommon. I think it actually happens to men a lot more than it does to women. We're not so good about keeping in touch. And with that said, you know, I, I posed this question to Esther Perel, you know, how, how, what do you recommend for getting back in touch? Cause you know, are you going to, for some people that that's maybe scary or am I rejected? What are they going to say? And her, her advice I thought was very sound And I've done this a few times. It's, it's as simple as a text mm. saying, Hey, you know, been thinking of you for reason X or Y, you know, hope, hope you're well, would love to reconnect. It's been too long. Something that simple, and you would be surprised by the response. And you'll know very quickly if this person is is up for reconnecting by one if they respond, or two how if they respond. And the couple times I've done that with some people I haven't spoke to in over a decade, it, it's been really impressive. And I encourage everyone to do that to to reconnect and reach out, and especially men listening. I think again, I think men are terrible here. Colleen's way better than mm. than I am.
3: Yeah. And I think there has to be an intentionality to it in the same way that we schedule or we think about what we're going to eat that week. You know, you have to motivate yourself to put it on the calendar, maybe even set a goal of, okay, I want to see my friends IRL once a month or whatever the meaningful metric is for you in your life, but there has to be an intentionality about it to make it actually happen.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think this is one of those quotes that you hear a lot, but in order to have a friend, you got to be a friend, you know, and it's yeah. so, so simple, but it really is. And it just can start with a simple text of how are you, how you doing? It's been a while, you know, and that can feel super vulnerable, but it can also be the thing that leads to the the connection that you're looking for and that you're craving. Um, I think that's super, super important. What are some of the other roadblocks to well-being? Connection being one of those I know there are many more. Um, what do you guys see as some of the biggest challenges that we face to to achieving well being? I mean, sleep. Yeah, yeah, and, I,
2: j- yeah. and just, just to emphasize, like I I do think this one just doesn't get enough emphasis. Um, you know, we'll start with with breath and sleep. Colleen mentioned breath, and then we started this way in the book because okay, let's let's think about like what are the major objections that people have? Time and money right totally get it because we're getting it now <laughs> we're in this business uh and you know if you think about breath again we breathe between 17 and thirty thousand times a day and most of us are doing it wrong 50 to 80 percent of adults exhibit what we call dysfunctional breathing patterns and what's so powerful about breath is if you think about it it's free we're doing it all mm-hmm. day you have to do it to survive right like period we're, we're, we're breathing right now and There's so the, the downstream effects are so significant, but just by the simple practice of nasal breathing, breathing through your nose, what that does filters out bad stuff, the bacteria, the viruses, increases CO2 tolerance, increases your oxygen absorption. So there's physiological resilience. That's two increases nitric oxide, which increases circulation, helps cardiovascular talk about heart disease, arteries, Um, And then four, a big one, look, people are stressed, people are anxious, and you're more likely to be in fight or flight mode when you're breathing through your mouth versus nasal breathing. And so this is a big one. So if you think about like, okay, I don't have time for all this wellness, I don't have the money. Well, let's start with breathing because we're doing it all the time and the downstream effects are so powerful and everything gets better.
3: Yeah, I think one of the best things about being a nostril breather as someone who has a tendency to want to jump in and interrupt and get my point out, it actually makes you a such a better listener too. One of the wonderful side effects.
2: Um and just on that, you know, I think as a society we have a problem right now with uh there's a lot of a lot of people can't disagree on various topics, everything from politics to health and well-being. Sure. And I think we could use a lot more empathy, a lot more curiosity. And what it comes down to, if you think about as humans, we have stimulus and response and humans are unique than other animals where we can actually do something Mm -hmm. within that. We have that space between stimulus. Maybe I read something or I hear something I don't like (laughs) and then respond how I respond. And the better we can get about that response, I think the better we're all going to (laughs) be. And nasal breathing is one of those practices that can help you get better and we all need to get better better myself included
1: oh man i couldn't agree with you more uh long time listeners of this show know my heart for breath um i went through a 10-month breathwork facilitator uh, program because it had changed my life so significantly and i was able to for the first time experience what it felt like um to feel my own love as well, because I had been living in such a hypervigilant, stressed out, dysregulated state. And as a byproduct, I was always in my head, which I was anxious and constantly thinking about what I needed to do or what had happened and I was lacking presence, and breath brought me into my body and into this moment in ways I had never experienced before, and so I'm a huge advocate, cheerleader, and proponent of breath, and just starting to notice your breath is, in my experience, when you notice your breath, you notice your life. (laughs) It is the thing that connects you to this 3D experience in this human body, and without it, we're not here. It's the thing that we do first when we enter this world and the last thing we do before we leave it. It's For me, it's a a connection to the multidimensionality of who we are and the divine. And yet we don't even think about the fact that we do it. And we take for granted that our bodies are so wise and intelligent, they already know how to breathe. Yet as the CEO of our health, I think we all, we become and step into that role when we start to acknowledge and become responsible for the way we're breathing instead of just breathing unconsciously. You know what I'm saying?
2: hundred percent.
1: Yeah. You mentioned sleep. Talk a little bit more, a bit more about that. Sleep has
3: been, you know, hugely personal to me because I had an, I, I struggled with sleep probably starting in college. And there was a moment at my first like real job where i had to do a presentation in front of senior leaders and it could potentially affect like my job placement and this event just spun out of control in my head and to a point where i didn't sleep for for about three nights in a row Mm -hmm. i ended up at the hospital saw a doctor he gave me a xanax I got mm-hmm. to sleep that night, but it didn't really affect the underlying issues. And obviously there's a there's a lot to unpack there sure. from, you know, kind of childhood of why this was causing me so much stress. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was one of those moments where it was like, OK, this is getting out of control. And sleep is something where if if you don't sleep for three days, you are not physically OK. You might miss the gym for a week. You might not eat vegetables for a week. You're still going to be functioning, but that's not happening with sleep. And, you know, 33% of Americans right now don't get enough sleep. 50 and 70 million U.S. adults have a sleep disorder and sleep for me is the start of what we call the wellness wave. When you get that momentum, when one thing starts working in your life, it's so much easier to start bringing in more positive changes. Momentum be- begets momentum. Mm-hmm. So if you sleep, oh, you're probably going to have a better breakfast, you're probably going to, you know, have the energy to move throughout the day and integrate that into your life. So I just think it's so so foundational
1: to health and well-being. I couldn't agree more. You know, I talk a lot about the game of life on this show and how to play it. And you guys are giving us those fundamentals right now, really. I mean, breath, sleep being one of them. I say the cha- if you want to be the champion of your life, which is the CEO of your health, right, the way you guys say it, then you, you got to do the basics better. And these are the basics, right? Starting with your breath, starting with your sleep and you just, you just named it. The statistics are crazy showing how many of us struggle, whether it's just with restlessness or insomnia or or whatever it might be. And I know there are people listening that need help in that area. And your book is a great place for them to start to get some more information on that as well as mind, body, green website. Are there any others in terms of roadblocks to our, our, our best healthiest lifestyle and, um, that someone might be able to hear and listen and and identify for themselves is, oh, this might be something that's in the way of me feeling my absolute best.
2: So another big one, and this goes hand, hand in hand, it's it's resistance training and making sure you're consuming enough protein. Mm-hmm. And so look, working out, going to the gym, building muscles is not something new, but I think in the context of longevity, it is. And there is a... Unbelievably uh, depressing statistic uh, where 25% of the people over the age of 65 uh fall. Mm-hmm. If you fall, and oh sorry, 25%, I'll start over. 25% over the age of 65 fall. If you fall once, you are twice as likely to fall again. If you fall and break your hip, there is a 30 to 40% chance that you die within a year. Wow. Keep in mind, it's not the, necessarily the breaking of the hip that can lead to mortality within a year. It's everything that happens after, after, from, you know, maybe there's an infection in the hospital or a complication or you get a virus or you go home and you're not mobile and you're depressed or it leads to something else. But unfortunately, those numbers are real. We've seen this anecdotally play out with with friends of ours and their family members and so if you take a step back like okay how do i avoid this because this is a real concern in terms of longevity well okay let's say maybe i i lose my balance you, you want to be able to to have the mobility to maybe and the strength to maybe grab something so right. you don't fall or have the the armor in terms of muscles where you do fall you have that cushion right uh, and going back to balance, or just maybe have the balance where you just don't fall. Right. Period. And so, this really for us made the case for hey, we need to focus on resistance training. Uh, you know, th- this is funny, but but it's, it's a real serious story. Um, you know, what, about six or seven months ago, I noticed I had lost a little weight. And I don't really weigh myself that often. I, I kind of felt, look, this the clothes fit the same. And then I looked in the mirror and I said, Oh my God, I'm developing white man's ass, like old white man's ass. Like mm-hmm. I'm becoming an old man and I'm losing my, uh, my, uh, my basketball butt <laughs> is becoming flat. And we, you know, we live in Miami now. So, uh, but beyond the aesthetic, I was like, Oh, wow this totally makes sense since the last time I did any sort of resistance training or squats with my legs was the last college basketball game I played 25 years ago. Mm. So, okay, that makes total sense. And it was a wake up call because sarcopenia is, is real. It's very real Mm. up to 13% of people in their sixties suffer from it. And let's say you make it in your, to your eighties, half of people, live with it. And so this idea of losing bone density, muscle mass, we lose 1% the year after 40. And so if on a drastically to osteoporosis, so like it goes to the why of resistance training, you know, yoga saved me from back surgery. So yoga became my everything. And I ignored resistance training and, you know, my ass paid the price for it. Uh, And so getting back to that and trying to build lean muscle mass, not for, you know, vanity, but for, for longevity. Sure. And to do so, so that's the thing I want everyone should focus on. You don't have to go to a gym if you don't want to, you know, you can do sit-ups, push-ups, squats, or lots of great, your body is a tremendous asset here Mm -hmm. using your own body weight. And to get there, you know, you have to consume protein. Uh, Muscle protein synthesis has been proven over and over, and you need to ingest enough amount of protein. Unfortunately, the RDA of 0.36 grams per pound of body weight is the bare minimum for people to survive, not thrive. That's for people sitting on the couch. And if you're serious about building lean muscle mass, you probably need to double that, maybe triple that. And so that's something I don't think enough people are focused on. And this, the science is unequivocal. And so that's become a focus for us in our 40s in the context of we want to be strong and able and mobile. So that doesn't happen to us.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm just wondering for those that might be listening and and hearing what you're talking about, the emphasis and the importance of all of these things, whether it be diet, movement, exercise, sleep, reducing stress, um, right. Having connections in your life, it, can, and we mentioned this at the beginning of this conversation, it can feel overwhelming about where do I start? You know, what thing is the most important? How do I prioritize these things in my life, especially when I'm a busy mom or I'm running a business, right? Like that, that was your story in so many ways. And I know, uh, we all can relate to that in some way or another. Is there a place that you recommend that people start? I mean, is there one thing that's more important than another?
2: You know, I, I think they're all important. And I would say start where you are and reframe your mindset in terms of you know maybe I'm not editing adding I'm editing I am making wellness work for or well-being work for me I'm fitting it to my life my busy schedule something we do I do uh, I take the stairs mm-hmm. and so I have a personal role if it's less than five flights I take the stairs how long and I'm in pretty good shape how long does it take take five flights less than 30 seconds Mm -hmm. so let's say you're not in good shape maybe it takes a minute assuming obviously you're able-bodied but everyone can do that don't hop in the elevator if there's an elevator take the stairs work it into your, your your commute or
3: and i think the hardest work is you have to be the one who best understands your own body and what you need you can read all the books but at the end of the day you know you really are that conductor of your healthcare, your healing, your whatever you want to call it, orchestra. And you have to be the one to kind of lean into what will give you the highest impact. Like for me, it's sleep. Jason doesn't really struggle with sleep. You could have like coffee at 3 p.m. And, you know, unless our kids wake us up. So say, it, I, did, I, I did last night. <laughs> He's in pretty good shape. And when you, you know, read these eight pillars, sure, it can feel like a lot. So you have to focus in on what's going to have the biggest impact and start there. And for us, it's about integration. Mm -hmm. It's not additive. It's how do we incorporate this into our daily life so that it's sustainable, so that it's actually something you do.
2: And it's got to bring you joy. It's got to fit into your lifestyle. National Quitters Day at the gym is January thirteenth this year. Wow. Because people set expectations that are not reasonable, and they end up doing something they don't like and doesn't fit in their lifestyle. And look, I I get it. I think there's a notion in health and wellness where you need to be uncomfortable to be comfortable. Uh, someone once asked us, you know, what's your favorite healthy food that you don't like but you eat? And our response was nothing. <laughs> like we we don't. There's enough. We could find something we like. And right. I and I hate running. I don't run. The last time I ran was when I played basketball, not going to happen. You know, in one of our chapters is around, uh, cold, cold therapy is very exciting. There's a lot of science. You'll see a lot of cold plunges on Instagram yeah. <laughs> and a lot, of bros. a lot, a lot of bro. You know, yep. And if you like it, great. We don't like it like that, that, we live in Miami now. Like, <laughs> we escaped the cold. You live in Vegas. Like, th- right. this sounds science there. And look, it, it, if you can do it and you feel good, go for go it. For but, it. like, to us, it's just not enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? We're going to skip that one. And I think there's so much pressure in this world where you have to eat this or you have to do this exercise or buy this gadget. And you know what? It's nonsense. You need to find the things that you can integrate in your life and find you joy and stick with them. Because you know what? When push comes to shove, when you get busy and if you don't like it, you're going to drop it. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was just thinking, you know, sometimes the place that we end up starting is the place we're in the most pain. Right. So mm-hmm. if you are just really struggling with like insomnia, maybe that's the place to start. or if you've got sciatic back pain, you can't do anything, but you can't ignore that, right? And so it it requires your attention wherever you're in pain
2: and be gentle with yourself. Be patient. I think one of the things that you know, Colleen talks about in the book it it is, you know, to some degree, she she accepts that she's never going to be a rock star sleeper, <laughs> And that's okay. And doesn't it's very easy, and it's just it's not just sleeping; it could be anything where you have, start to have performance anxiety, and then yeah. expectations are set where you set yourself up for failure. And you got to start small, and you got to be kind to yourself. It's a process.
3: It's it's absolutely a journey, and you still are the one who knows your body best, even when you're working with the best experts. And you know one example of this is sleep. Even though I have really thoughtful. And disciplined about sleep etiquette, Jason and I get a lot of joy out of watching TV in bed. And every sleep expert will tell you, no, like that's breaking all the rules. But you know, you have to look at your life of, okay, like what's gonna, what's gonna bring me joy? And you know, is it gonna impact my sleep? Not as much as coffee, not as much as having an overactive racing mind that's, you know, not spinning in a productive way. Like those I know are my bigger triggers. So once you get
1: to that point, you you really do have the ability to gently make your own Mm rules. I love that you guys are giving people permission to make their own decisions and do what feels best for them. And really to become aware of what their needs are and creating, you know, a format uh, for well-being that works for them. I love that. Um, cause it, we are, we are all different and we all have different preferences and things that, um, I think as we experiment with these things, we get to know ourselves a little bit better, you know, and I love what you said to Colleen about this being a journey. Cause when I think about my own life, it has been one step at a time. When I first started to get conscious of, you know, and responsible for my life in all aspects, I remember, you know, for the first year really, Um, kind of looking in the mirror at all of the ways I had been avoiding things emotionally, right? So I really started to look at my mental and emotional health. And then I I did that for quite a while, you know, a year, two years, three years, that was really the focus. And then there was a prompting, um, not because I had any illness or disease or or anything like accident, but I could tell like the next thing my life is asking me to look at was my Physical health, so getting my hormones looked at, getting off birth control, finding more natural alternatives to things, right? And then it's looked at my sexual health. Look at what is that like? Look at my connections, like. And it's it's just evolved over time because it really is impossible to do it all and to do do it all at once, right? And so it's just sort of like biting off a bit at a time, especially. And I I just encourage you guys, if you're listening, to like start where you are, like exactly where Jason said. and, and you guys were also mentioning, you know, it's kind of hard to know, um, regardless of if it's your diet or your exercise, like which thing to do? Because you, you we were talking about um, uh, being vegan before we started recording, or keto, or Orange Theory, or F45, or yoga, like which thing to do? I'm curious, is there any wellness or um, workout diet trend that you guys are Particular fans of? And what do you think are kind of the most uh, overrated trends that are out there right now?
2: How much time do you
1: have? <laughs> <laughs> Give uh, me two. your top look, one or two.
2: <laughs> I think nutrition and food look, food is foundational. Mm-hmm. And what you ingest is really critical to your well being. Keeping that in mind, it is so confusing and there is so much information specifically in a world that's driven by content on social media uh it is impossible to sift through yeah and unfortunately the algorithms are reward uh anger uh (laughs) there was a there was a study that uh wharton did Analyzing the New York Times, we we cite this in the book, of the most emailed articles in the New York Times. Oh wow. And they they classified them, and these are like the most widely read articles in the world, it's New York Times. And they classified these articles by emotion. And the top three were anxiety, awe, and anger. Hmm. Anger was number one at 34%. So in other words, anger increased virality by 34%. So anger drove more engagement, more reads, views, watches, clicks, comments. And if you take a step back, like that's pretty scary and actually makes sense for the world we live in. And so bringing it back to food and people driving the food conversation were incentivized by having extreme points of view there that can be incendiary. And so with all of that said, I think... What we believe is you should eat real food. Uh, look, processed food happens, but you think, we think you should try to minimize it. But the, the, dire, the, the consequences of eating ultra-processed food, you know, we're serious. There's a study in France where said, where said that a inc- 10% increase of highly processed food led to a 14% increased risk of death. Mm-hmm. Bad news is in the U.S., 66% of calories consumed by kids come from highly processed foods.
3: And in terms of the trends that I incorporate
2: into my life,
3: um, it's resistance training, um, which I do here. There's a boutique fitness class literally in my building, and to me, it's one of those like habit stacking that like happens in a really organic way because there's a ton of moms who go to the same school who also go to the class. There's great proximity, so I'm getting social connection. It's way more fun than doing it by myself, Um, and. You know brings me a lot of joy and then second which i would put in you know to answer your trendy question is pickleball ah. um, do it more but here in miami we have definitely picked it up it brings us a lot of joy and you know ha- has great benefits too, but it's really being out there having fun. You have to put down your social device. You're really connecting. You can't be on your phone and with a pickleball racket at the same time. Um, so it's an it's another great way to engage.
2: Sorry, I just voiced my frustration with <laughs> students, with nutrition influencers on social media. I didn't really the question. I just, I'm just like I was oh. bringing it
1: back. Well, <laughs> when you said that, Jason, I, I went. To, my mind immediately went to the guy who was like the meat eater guy influencer. Right. Yes. And then it came out that he was like actually on steroids or something. And but that's kind of the misleading information that's out there. It's like, eat a raw piece of meat and you'll be this, you know what I mean? And everybody's selling some kind of there's a pitch almost in everything kind of that you see nowadays. And so you were you were so right in saying like thinking it's easy to be caught up or misled. So I definitely hear Yeah.
2: And I think, you know, we have without telling without being prescriptive, we're saying you know, where some people will say, well, you must be hundred percent plant-based or vegan or paleo or carnivore. We don't, we know a lot of people in this space who thrive on various diets and look, we're all individual. Mm-hmm. We believe in, in bio-individuality. And so we do have a set of principles, which we outline in the book, which we think are generally good for most people, but then we really encourage the reader to one, listen to their body and then to do some basic lab work that's inexpensive just to get an yeah. understanding how things are affecting your, you know, your markers. There are some people, for example, who could eat uh, you know, meat at every meal and their lipid panel is fine. There are other people who look at meat and their lipid panel goes through the roof. Mm-hmm. And so you know, I encourage everyone to, to figure this out. We have some guiding principles and some tips on labs in the book that people can take with them.
1: Well, I'm going to say to Colleen's point, I just got some pickleball racket, so I'm excited to, <laughs> yeah. to, to try it out. And to your point, uh, Jason, I think that's really good um, advice for people. Just to, if you can, if it's accessible to you, go get uh, um, some lab work done. That was a really formative, like transform, uh, transformative experience for me because I really got to see behind the curtain, you know, uh, even as um, Somebody who's lost multiple family members to cancer. I get regularly screened and do blood uh, blood work every year, but my doctor never told me what the results were. He was like, I'll "Always, I'll call you if it's you know if it's if it's something, <laughs> right?" Um, but I wanted to become more in charge of my health, and so I went to a holistic practitioner that actually did some blood work and really let me see things like my blood sugar levels and and my iron. And what I found is I had, you know. Um, it, different things that I wasn't expecting, but I had a roadmap for how I could best take care of my health now. Now I was informed. And in that way, it's like, I always say knowledge is power, but, or knowledge isn't power and it applied knowledge is, but I could take that knowledge and then really decide how to move forward. So I think you become so much more empowered when we you have that information at your fingertips. So I, I agree. And um, if you have accessibility and you can, can do that for yourself, I, I highly recommend it. Um, it, just to, to wrap up this conversation, I want, um, just take you back a little, a little while and, uh, ask you, you know, what would you say to yourselves? Cause you've given so much great advice and you've really, really made this super clear for people in your book, the joy to wellbeing. It's a really practical guide for people. And there are people in all different aspects of their life and on their journey here. But if you guys were to go back maybe a decade ago, when you're in your 20s, like, what would you tell yourself if you could go back and talk to them in terms of how to be an advocate for yourself and what may be the best practices you would really encourage them to, to do and to, to implement then? If you could talk to yourself in your 20s, what would that advice be?
3: listen to those whispers in the body so that you don't have to get to that breakdown point Mm -hmm. where you're forced to make the change, but where you can make it gradually along the journey. It's just a much more loving way to get your body back into health and well being.
2: And I think for me, you know, realizing it is a journey (laughs) and I feel like for much of my life, I'm in a rush to the next thing. Yeah, You know, I'm ready to, to finish college or I'm ready for th- this job then and go to the next thing. I'm ready for this milestone in the business mm-hmm. or I'm ready for this thing, you know, moving. And I wish I would have enjoyed the journey a little bit more. It's something I'm really trying to do with our children. You hear all the time, you know, oh, when you meet, meet uh, someone else who has a, a kid who's much older and they'll say, oh, it goes so fast. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a cliche, but true. it's true. And I'm really trying to be mindful of the time we have with our, our children, and with regards to health, and you know, the health literacy is just so critical. I, I do advocate for for everyone trying to be their own CEO, and that's kind of our goal with the book. Knowledge is empowerment, yeah, and you need to be educated. And I think this idea that you know, there's this one doctor or this one healer or this one thing who's got to have all the answers. We know a lot of the best of them. And you know what? They're not perfect and they make mistakes. And ultimately no one knows you better than you. And you, you need to be educated and you need to take control of your health to the best of your ability and get to the point where, you know, you can take, you can filter in and out, whether that's, soliciting an opinion online somewhere <laughs> or soliciting an opinion from a doctor because it is nuanced things are developing very fast in this space and ultimately you know better than anybody
1: yeah so good such good advice you guys your book the joy of well-being a practical guide to happy healthy and long life is on pre-order now is there anything you want people to know listeners to know about where they can go find the book or just any other tips you have before you guys go today?
2: Uh, so, you know, to close, I want to bring it back to, to community. I just can't emphasize this enough, given <laughs> where we are in the world. It's, it's concerning, given our kids and the mental health epidemic. And there's a study in the book, which has become my favorite study. And in some ways, I'm like, this is the, the, the best study that no one wants to talk about, because I think it throws a lot of what we know about nutrition and exercise on its head. And it's the Rosetto study and Rosetto, Pennsylvania was a small rural town in the 1950s. And this is when heart disease arrives in America, but not Rosetto in Rosetto, people over 65, the rate of heart attacks was half that of the nation mm. under 55, there were no cases of heart disease. Heart disease was completely absent. So they take a look like what, what's going on in Rosetto? What are these people doing? what are they doing? They're smoking, they're drinking, they're eating lots of pasta and meatballs. This makes (laughs) absolutely no sense. Like what's the secret? When they took a closer look, they realized this was such a strong community that was so closely knit. They had unbelievable social connections. Multi-generational living was paramount. There were lots of parties, parades, people enjoying wine and food with family and friends. Then the 1960s, community starts to break up. People start to move move away. Guess what? Heart disease catches up with the national average. And to me, this study just says it all. We're so focused on nutrition and exercise. And yes, foundational is so important, but given where we are in the world right now, we really need to focus on connection. Mm.
1: So true. So, so, so important. That's why I'm so grateful for friends like you resources like mind body green and shows like this where we can connect from even across the country because there are some good things about technology and social media it allows us to connect with with good hearted people um, people who are on similar missions as we are here at the coachable podcast i'm just so grateful for your work and i want to make sure everyone knows how they can access um mind body green and how they can get your book the joy of well-being i think it's thejoyofwellbeing.com is where they can get the book on pre-order and i think you guys are super super generous you're going to give 25 dollars off any purchase of the um in the shop and free access to the sleep doctor's top 10 tips for best sleep so if you struggle with sleep you're gonna get out. Like, He's
2: the sleep doctor. Like this guy is the best. Yeah, uh, and it's helped. And even me. Even I don't struggle with my sleep as like Colleen does. Although I did last night. <laughs> uh, he is the best. Like we're so so psyched about that offering. So thank you so much.
1: Yeah. We're so excited. Make sure you go follow mind, body green on Instagram, and we're going to make sure to link all of this stuff down in the show notes for you um, so that you can make it easy to access and make sure you go get the book, the joy of Well Being: a practical guide to happy, healthy, and long life calling Jason. Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome back always on the coachable podcast. You guys go be coachable this week. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much thank for you having so us. Much.